welcome back to our podcast. My name is Raida. And my name is Lama. And today we're joined by two very special guests who coincidentally have the same name. We have Omar and Omar. Um, so I'm going to have you guys introduce yourselves real quick. Okay, um, I will go first. Hi, everybody. My name is Omar Popal. Um, I grew up in a Afghan household um, where my parents immigrated to the U.S. shortly before I was born. Um, and so growing up, had to deal with a lot of those kind of first generation to second generation issues, um, as well as pave my way for everything that I wanted to do in life. And I, like I said, recently just started medical school and graduated from UCSD for undergrad. Hi, everyone. I'm Omar Durrani. I am currently a first year in, in medical school in St. Louis at St. Louis University. I guess I'm a kid, children of Pakistani immigrants who, who they immigrated in 97, like right after I was born, probably like three weeks after I was born. So I would ditto a lot of what uh, Omar said about like sort of like figuring out like paving the way and figuring out figuring out like what you wanted to do in like a brand new country so perfect okay so just for our listeners today's topic is going to be about parents expectations in an immigrant household and since we all you know came in from immigrant parents I think this is a good, great topic for all of us to talk about um, before we dive in I actually want to talk about how we all met um, we can have um, Omar with you and Lemma talk first, and then I can start telling about my experience with the other Omar. All right. Do you want to take it away? Yeah, I got it. I got it. So backstory, I really wanted to go on live on TikTok like a long time. So, uh, and like, I was just like, I would like talk about going to go live like all the time, like in like my videos and stuff. So I finally hit like a thousand followers, like one day. I don't remember what day it was, but I finally had a thousand followers. And then I would go live like every single day. Sometimes I go live like more than once a day. And this was during COVID. So like, you know, there was, everybody would like join the lives too because they're all stuck at home as well. And so like, um, you know, one day like Lemma pops on my live and then, you know, we're all like chatting and we live like in pretty, we, we live relatively close. So we have like some mutual friends. So we actually had followed each other on Instagram like, I don't know, like two weeks before. And so like we got on a live, she vibed with like everybody, all the mutuals on the live, all the moderators. And then so we added, we had this Instagram chat that we added her to. And like now we've all been, we've all been bros ever since. So yeah. And that was like what back in like the end of February. So it's yeah, been like it almost six months. Ago. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. Yeah. You the other Omar can talk about how we met. I have my own story, but go ahead. <laughs> Okay, um, I'm not sure if my story is going to coincide with Raida's, but a little similar, definitely started to post a lot more on TikToks over quarantine and with COVID, um, started to kind of give more time and attention to that platform. And then I moved to Madison, Wisconsin, and it just so happened that Raida was also in Wisconsin. And so it turns out that we lived super close to each other and really just became homies online. And a sad fact that I think everybody should know is that Raida and I never actually got to hang out before I left, which is pretty embarrassing considering- He was, was there for like year. a whole year. Like, so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all good. A lot of that was before we had vaccines. So there was always like that concern. And then once we did have vaccines, our schedules were just so busy. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's kind of like the short story of, of how we met. Okay, how I met Omar personally was also on TikTok Live. Omar, I didn't know who you was, where you were or anything. I just saw you one time come on my For You page and then you were like talking about Wisconsin. And I was just like, what in the hell? Who lives in Wisconsin? Like I never <laughs> saw someone from Wisconsin come up on my For You page. And then I was like, oh my God, he's Afghan. He's actually cultured. Um, it's usually why people here um and then like later on I like DM'd you and I was like hey I'm in Wisconsin too like where are you up to and then like um you told me where you live at and I was like bro it's literally like not that far away from me but we never met guys we never met I don't know if, I don't I don't know if uh Omar if you remember this but there was one time where I think all four of us were actually on a clubhouse call together so that was kind of like the great oh yeah connector between all of us yeah I but definitely Super remember cool. that clubhouse clubhouse was a great time it's the way a yeah. lot of us connected to i met a lot definitely. of the other people from tiktok also on clubhouse it was really cool yeah r.i.p to clubhouse i think they fell off <laughs> all right so now that we have that out of the way we're gonna get into our first question for today so the first question is what made you pursue a career in the medical field and did you ever feel like cultural or parent pressure to pursue this path because you know a lot of us come from uh parents where they have the mindset that's like you need to be a doctor lawyer or an engineer so who would like to take on this question first <laughs> don't be shy 
Yeah, I can go first. Yeah, I can go first. So, I mean, I would definitely say there was a lot of parental like pressure on my end because my parents are both physicians. My dad's an orthopedic surgery. He does these as a subspecialty in spine. And my mom does like internal. She's a hospitalist. And so like there was always kind of understanding that me and my sister were going to also be doctors. So and not that I minded, I loved medicine because I had been around since I was a kid, like even as a kid, like, you know, I'd be going to like clinics and stuff and like shadowing and stuff. So like I loved like I never really wanted to be anything else. So uh, even though there was that cultural pressure, I also felt like a calling towards it because it's just one of those professions where like the impact you can have like on an individual life is is almost like unlike anything else. So uh, that was kind of like the big appeal for me. And then I just loved anatomy and physiology. And I love like biochemistry and like, especially in relation to, you know, humans, it was always like something that was always like a big thing for me. Uh, a lot of the parental pressure started to come back when I, you know, hit like 22. And I was like, I also have like a pretty deep interest in like public health and the global health. So when I wanted to get like my master's in public health and when I wanted to, you know, do, you know, work for my local public health department during COVID, like there was a lot of pressure, like, you know, when are you going to start? When are you going to start? And there was also a lot of relief when I did just start. So, you know, there was definitely that pressure, but I kind of welcomed it because I already wanted to do it. I definitely think it would have been more disruptive if I didn't want to do medicine yeah <laughs> i see yeah i mean as as priyanka chopra said you're either a doctor a lawyer or engineer um <laughs> and i think that saying is pretty true uh my upbringing was a bit different um so both of my parents had recently immigrated to the u.s my mom was an accountant and my dad was a taxi driver so both of them had fairly little levels of education and so all they really wanted for me was for me to be successful so thankfully i didn't deal with that pressure of you to go into the medical field it was more so whatever you do you need to be the best at it or whatever you go into you need to make sure at the end of the day you have a roof over your head you're able to take care of yourself and provide for you and your family and also be happy again being happy wasn't the most stressed component obviously coming from our backgrounds i think that we can all uh kind of relate to that a little bit but that was kind of my I guess, background and upbringing. And then what really pushed me to go into medicine. Growing up, I always told everyone I wanted to be a doctor. It was the easiest career choice that came to mind. And you were just like, yeah, I want to go into medicine. It's cool. Um, But what really changed everything for me was my first year of college, I had my baby cousin who had an incident in which he drowned. And so there was like a lot of uncertainty in that time. And then he ended up passing away, but that entire experience and everything that happened, um, both within the hospital, outside the hospital, the way my family coped with it, um, seeing everything go down, it really made me want, yeah, really made me want to go into medicine. I said, I want to be the same kind of person that those doctors were for my little cousin and the way that they like gave my family that consolation and really helped us get through it. I leaving that whole experience, I was like, I want to be that person for other families. And I want to be able to help people in situations that are like mine, or maybe even worse. Like you think a kid dying, there's nothing worse, but you never know. And you can never really speak to everyone's experiences. So that was kind of my push and my drive to go into medicine. I do definitely, you know, I have so much appreciation for people who are doing med school because you guys are not only studying hard amount of time, just learning medications and learning uh, like you know, different types of diseases and all that, but you guys are also knowing how to cope with an incident. There are so many deaths that happen during the hospital and for the doctor to having to witness that and having to like know what to say and what to do. And it can be emotionally vulnerable to the parents because that's going to even concern them more. I, I just, yeah, I don't know how you guys are able to do that. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm actually about to start my senior year of undergrad and I'm in the process of applying to medical school. And I think like there's definitely a lot less pressure on me, like from the family I came from where like it was, I think also because I'm a female, it was less about like, oh, you need to have a job that's going to have a good income. And it was more about just kind of like do what you're passionate about. And the reason I kind of became interested in medicine was because my mom was a nurse back when she lived in Jordan. And she would always come home and like tell me stories about like the hospital. And that really got me into kind of healthcare. And then once I moved to Canada, 
I started, I got asthma. And so I would be in the hospital a lot. And then like through that, I got more interested and I started shadowing and volunteering in the hospital. Freshman year of college, I became a scribe. And that is kind of what like solidified my decision. I think definitely it was pushed more by passion than like familiar familial pressure. But Ahmad with a you, I noticed something interesting that you said you said that your parents expected both you and your sister to go into the medical field. And I feel like usually it's like more pressure on the son than the daughter. So that's kind of an interesting take. Was it like pressured by both of your parents or what kind you of know, stuff? So I, it's a good question. I, I, I definitely think there's pressure on both, but I think now I was older and as a male, there probably was a little bit more pressure on me. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I still think there was a pretty significant amount of pressure on my sister as well because my mom is also a physician. So I think that like, there was some of that, like that, like natural, like sexism that kind of goes in. It was a little, some of it might've been like supplanted because of my mom also being a physician. So. Mm-hmm. Also, is yeah. everybody an older sibling by chance or who's the youngest? Everybody's older sibling? I'm middle. Yeah, I'm, I'm oldest, oh, yeah. middle. Yeah, I know you're middle. Omar with an O. And I'm, I'm the oldest. Okay. I can see oh, why. Oh, interesting. So they're both the oldest. Because mm-hmm. it's like, it's like when you're the oldest, like you represent your other siblings and like you have that pressure of like being perfect to your other siblings and like showing them like the way of life kind of thing. So like if you di- disappoint your parents, then the other t- siblings supposedly will turn out that way. Um, okay. So if you weren't pursuing, you know, medical school, um, would you be pursuing something else? I think you would be lying if you said you never considered anything else. But for me personally, there were two other careers I really was interested in. And one was going into politics, um, particularly in policy, because I really enjoy public speaking. Um, And because of that public speaking, I also really wanted to be a journalist. Um, I really just loved watching the news every morning, waking up and watching the news anchors. I was like, I could do that. I could go and talk to people and just talk my ear off all day, like I'm probably doing now. And so those are kind of the careers that I was thinking if I didn't go into medicine. I love it. It sounds so good already. Okay, I respect people that are interested in politics. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I think personally, I probably would have done something around public health. So like, um, probably like, I don't know, some kind of community health, like, you know, something that would just have like a- Nothing with medical school. Tell us something different than medical school. Okay, okay, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But like, yeah, something around like community health that would have like, that would have like had a big impact on a large community. It didn't necessarily have to be medicine. It could have been like any just sort of social determinant of health. And then also I really like space exploration. So just like anything to do with that. So aerospace engineering, even though I don't know how good I would be at that, like I would enjoy the co- I would enjoy like the concept of and like seeing my stuff go to space or something like that. I think and that's kind I of think this is a great this yeah. is a great point for you to do your Priyanka impression because you said aerospace engineer. Oh my god! I want to be an aeronautical engineer. What am I now? I'm a singer. I'm an actor. I'm a dancer. Oh man, she's, Thank you. she's great. Dude, she's the best. Not really. She's awful, but you know. Okay. <laughs> Let's clarify our views. Clarify our views. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I can cut stuff off. Okay. Uh, Lemma as well. Yeah. This is really I would interesting. want to own my own coffee shop. I would want to be a coffee connoisseur. Oh my goodness. Like, I love coffee. You and do it. Free coffee. You still, you still got time. Open it up. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like a side hustle, you know, yeah, after I become real. a doctor. Yeah. What's the coffee shop name going to be? Oh, that's Swart. putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> Hanbali, I don't know, I don't know, something with my last name. I was about to say Hanbali coffee sounds really good. We can be partners, you can, you can cover the management. (laughs) Hanbal coffee, right, because you know. Yeah, that, yeah. I see, I see. Reda, do you want to talk about what you would be pursuing if you weren't in political area? Oh yeah, let me talk about what I'm doing. (laughs) kind of forgot my life um no I'm just kidding so at first when I started college I was really interested in doing law school okay since the beginning I've always wanted to do law school um something I looked at it when I was very young I did have families who done like criminal justice law um parenthood law like all these type of laws that I kind of like saw what you know they do at home and kind of just worked my way towards my interest um if you guys know um detective conan that's literally what set the bar for me i don't know if you guys know that but that i grew up watching that 
You it's guys don't anime. know. Oh my god, you it's guys! It's literally like miss. It's like literally like some detective guy trying to figure out a case. It's so cool. Recommend I watching it. Um, but that's literally what interests me into law. But then, like later on in college, I've gotten really involved into politics. Um, you know, I did this podcast to talk about a lot of great topics. So that's kind of another thing. Um, I started working as a legal intern at the Capitol right now. So that is kind of it's really fun. Um, definitely love it. Um. But yeah, so I decided instead of doing business, um, I tried to do legal studies right now. So that's kind of where I'm at. But if I wasn't going to do law, I would definitely do a news anchor. I always love to talk. I love to share what's happening around the world. Um, Why not? You know, I'm a very outspoken person to begin with. And I don't think it's going to be like that much of an issue. Maybe memorizing some words (laughs) is not going to be an issue. But anything else, yeah, like I don't see myself nowhere near you know what I have with law awesome okay now going into the next question so we have a lot of listeners that are you know high schoolers or maybe like thinking about pursuing something in the medical field so what is something you wish you knew before starting college a little tidbit to our listeners um one thing that I tell everybody who listen to my annoying voice is your major does not matter And that is one thing that I don't think a lot of people know going into medicine. They think that they have to do biology. And so I would say pursue your passions in undergrad and really figure out if medicine is what you want to do, because it is a lifelong commitment. And yes, technically you could drop out at any point, but it's really at that point not worth the investment. Me personally, I wanted to make sure medicine is what I wanted to do. And that's part of the reason why during undergrad, I took so many classes in so many different areas just to really diversify like the way I think and to know that okay this is the path I want to take and I've explored other options I'm interested in and so any pre-med or person who's considering pre-med who's listening I would say the only thing you have to do in undergrad or not even have to but really should is just knock out those prerequisite courses and aside from that do whatever your heart desires because undergrad is a time that you should enjoy to the fullest and you never get a time like that back in your life again so that's that's my kind of two cents great answer yeah all right what what's your little tip for anyone in college yeah you know i kind of just wish when i went to college i just knew how important extracurriculars could be because like a lot of times like if you have like because classes are classes right you know you focus on them you get your good grades or whatever but um you know it's really those extracurriculars like you know your research your like your shadowing clinical experience and all your other interests that really make up the bulk of your application. And they're what lead to your personal statement as well. Uh, I use a lot of my own, my extracurricular activities in my personal statement, because like, I mean, you can't do, you can't talk about like, oh, well, I've got an A and O, Kevin, and your personal statement, that's going to sound really lame, you know? So, uh, you know, it's really important to get that stuff going. And that'll also help you figure out like later on, like, you know, what you might want to specialize in or something like that. So um that's a huge thing to I would advise everybody to like first year you know dive into a lot of things see what you can get especially when the classes are a little bit easier and then really hone in and really dedicate yourself to a few that you really like and really enjoy and can see yourself doing in the future so that would be my advice and like Omar said like buckle in for like you know long commitment and if you drop out like they don't give you your money back so stay focused like you can do it I think the biggest thing is like also like not losing hope like you know, things get tough, you know, like classes get tough. Like there's a lot of imposter syndrome. Some people around you might like, a lot of people act like they got it all under control. They don't, they just are better at pretending than you are. So like, you know, just like, you know, stay focused and like keep your eyes on the prize and try to maybe formulate a little bit of a plan ahead. You know, that's always, that always helps a little bit to like talk to upperclassmen who are a lot of times willing to help. Try to formulate a plan in your head of like where you're going to go, even to write it down. It never hurts. So that was, that's what I would say. Okay, since me and Lemma are undergrads, we can also talk about things we wish you knew before going into undergrad. If you okay. have something, yeah. Um, I'm just gonna say my tip for anyone that is starting college is have a good friend group and a, just a good foundation of people that you can rely on whenever you feel burnt out that you can kind of just rant to because especially going in as pre-med it's so mentally exhausting and like having a group of people that you know you can trust and just like they will be there for you when you need it is so important and I also want to emphasize what Omar was saying about like extracurriculars it is so important 
because I had friends that were like reaching out to me being like, I don't even know what to add to my activities section on the AMCAS application. Or like you said, for the personal statement, like they wouldn't really have to talk about. So definitely, I think like be involved in a lot freshman year. So then you can kind of have that longevity. And so then by the time you're a junior, you can say, I did this many hours with this thing. And of course, go into things that you're passionate about. So like for my freshman year, I ended up joining so many different clubs and I was almost spreading myself too thin. So then by second semester, I dropped out of some of the clubs and stayed in the ones that I was interested in. And then I ended up having leadership positions in like my sophomore year and just being involved. It really helps having that networking and also try to form connections with your professors because those are the people that are going to be writing you letters of recommendation. So don't be afraid to go to their office um, during office hours, staying after class, you know, having a talk with them, trying to just it doesn't have to be even about the lecture, maybe just something about their personal life that you could like go be like, oh, I found that really interesting. Just anything, try to reach out, make connections and don't be shy. That's what I would say. Um, so actually as a, like an immigrant that came in here in 2014, um, my parents way of college back, you know, in Libya, the whole different, you get accepted to college right away. You don't have to pay money. Um, the only thing that matters is just kind of your grades, no extracurriculars, like, you know. So for me, when I came here, the hardest part about college, and I keep emphasizing is know what you need in college. Know exactly, like, it's going to be two essays. You're going to need certain amount of credits. You're going to need certain amount of extracurriculars. Talk to your counselors. If you don't get a good counselor, switch to a different one. Because those are the people that truly would help you out into getting into college. I My most regret is definitely not putting the effort into, you know, searching up there's other options for me, um, knowing what college applications is. I, di I didn't even know that I had to write two essays. That's the, like, the hardest thing. I didn't even know I had to write two essays. I had to find that out from a friend who is already in college. I wish that my parents were able to support me as they did for you guys. But personally, for me, I never had that kind of support. And I was like, I'm not the first immigrant to go into college, first of all, but it's just kind of capability of like learning all these things from my parents. So I had to do it all by myself. Um, another thing, I personally have done a lot of extracurriculars in my time in high school, um, but I never truly focused on my grades. I mean, alhamdulillah, I have a good grades, you know, for what I can say. Take time to balance your school life, your sports life, your extracurricular lives. Because when you, if you're planning on doing sports, make 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 sure you balance those out. Because I know people who are too burnt out to do just two things, which is school and sports, and you can't even do extracurriculars. Okay, and yeah, next question. Um, so how did you balance Islam and being a college student? Because you know, going to college, it's definitely, especially in America, it's definitely you know multicultural. So you probably experienced a lot of situations that you kind of didn't know especially as a Muslim man going into college. I want to emphasize that out because I know there's two different perspectives regarding a woman and a man. Um. So I guess I guess I can go first because I kind of had two distinct experiences. So, uh, you know, I went, I had, you know, I had the luxury of going to college in my hometown. So I knew a lot of the people going there. Like some of my, a lot of my best friends were, you know, I had college with me, you know, they either came in like in, in my year or they came the year after. So by sophomore year, like I had my I had a lot of my closest friends back, not all of them, but like a lot of them. So, you know, we had like, we were good at keeping each other accountable for that kind of stuff. Uh, so I, I had a much easier time of it at first. And then when I did my master's at Dartmouth, there was like, well, like 20 Muslims I knew there maybe. And so like, I had, to, I had to sort of like, it was easier at first because like, you know, when you don't have, when you don't have any friends, like you kind of sit in your room all day. So it's like, oh, you can, be, you'll pray, you can pray everything right on time because you're not doing anything. But, you know, uh, later on, I actually like, got pretty involved in it. I had to kind of take some initiative, like involve the MSA like myself. And then like I had like another, I kind of got, I became vice president like really fast. So like then I sort of like a leadership role. So then I had to be more like a more like like walk the walk, I guess. So I, I kind of helped me stay like accountable. So I think it's just about surrounding yourself with the right crowd, because like if you because like even if you think like, oh, even though if I hang out with this crowd, it'll be OK. The people around you, even if it's subtle at first, like have an impact on you. So keep, you got to stick around people who are going to keep you accountable. That's not to say don't branch out. Obviously, you should branch out. But, you know, you got to have that core group that keeps you accountable for your faith. So. And uh, before the other Omar goes, um, want to ask about you guys as colleges. For all of us, it's all different. Uh, we live in totally different states. How 
like the population of the Muslim community, like if you're able to just walk around campus, would you see them right away? Or is it really hard for you to kind of find that Muslim community? Um, I know for mine, it's a very small population, especially living out of nowhere um, in Wisconsin. Yeah, um, so I can say that it was definitely hard at times to like be on my dean uh, for lack of a better term. Um, in terms of the size of the Muslim population at UCSD in San Diego, it was pretty decently sized. I would say there was a good amount of Muslims. However, because the campus was just so big, it did not feel like there was that many. So it really just depends in relation to where you go to school and how big of a campus it is. Um, but UCSD is ginormous. So you would see a Muslim every now and again, or at least someone who's visibly Muslim, right? Um, who you would either see praying or wearing hijab or doing something like that. Um, but for myself, uh, I also stayed home when I went to college, but I did not have a lot of Muslim friends. I actually didn't have any Muslim friends until like you my third college. to fourth year of college. Um, so my first two years, it was really just like making friends with a bunch of random people. And so like Omar said, it's a little bit harder to like stick to kind of what you know and what you were raised with when you're around all of that. But I think for myself, there were always things that I outlined for myself, like, hey, you're never going to do this. Like, this is something where, like, you will continue to follow, like, the way you were raised and the things that you, like, want to keep steady. Like, for me, one of those things was drinking. I was like, I know I'm going to be offered drinks, like, multiple times. It's like, I can be confident in saying no. I think the more confident you are, the less pressure you'll get from, like, other friends, and people will respect your decision. They'll be like, oh, okay, like, he doesn't drink. It's a religious, like, it's a religious thing, and he just doesn't do it. And then they move on. So I think it's really just getting comfortable with saying no, because it can be really hard in social situations. Um, but once you do that, it's a bit easier to kind of say no again. It's really just like breaking the ice. Once you do it once, easier to do it again and again. And it's like, you have to think about this. We already surpassed high school, which is like one of the hardest, you know, kind of years of our life, four years of our lives, having to say no, having to see, you know, different types of people and like what they do, you know, partying and all that. So we already have that mindset of like what to say no to and like who to surround ourselves with. But I do agree with Omar. I also did not have that much group of um, Muslims at all in my high school, but definitely like, you already have that mindset of saying no to things to like parties and drinking and college is more like unpressured as it was in high school I feel like college like people are more understanding I don't know if anybody has a different experience but for me it was less under, um, more Definitely. understanding than high school high school it's like where you question yourself have self identity issues uh question your whole religion kind of thing no I definitely agree I think high school was much harder to like set those boundaries but in college I was able to surround myself by honestly a lot of Muslims because a lot of us came from different high schools so I live in Louisville and it's a pretty big city and all the Muslims were kind of spread out in different high schools but when we got to college we were all kind of just formed one group and because so many of us were pre-med it was kind of just like we were all just together but honestly for like every class almost and then also not to sound like an annoying pre-med but I was so busy being pre-med that I didn't even have time to like, you know, fall into Haram. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was obviously definitely like offered like, hey, like come to this party or like do this stuff. And I think like Omar said, like you just have to set those boundaries. And once you do, people will respect you for it. Um, I was gonna ask you guys for medical school. I know a lot of the times like the class will be like, let's go out to a bar or like after this exam, let's go do this. Like, have you guys faced any of that yet? I know you're still fairly new, but have you guys faced anything like that? Uh, yeah, definitely a lot because like people are on drinking age, like a lot of times like, and like my class is pretty social. So like, a lot of them be like texting the group chat. Oh, you know, come out to this bar tonight, come out to this bar, we're grabbing drinks here. And, you know, I just kind of let those messages like float around. And then when someone's like, like today I had to go to the rock climbing. You want to go rock climbing? I was like, hell yeah, let's go. What I do, and I do this in college as well, is I kind of like, because I think as a man, it's different because you're not as visibly Muslim, like as like people, as like the women are. So uh, you have to sort of like vocalize it more. So sometimes when I'm just, people ask me about things, I'll like vocalize. I'm like, in my religion, like we don't do this. Because one of my friends asked me, we should come out. And I just tell them like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really into bars. And he's like, why? And I'm like, well, you know, it's in my religion, yada, yada, yada. So like, I, I, you kind of have to find a way to like vocalize it. And then like, those offers will go away. And like, you have to consciously do that because like people, because people are going to be polite and like, or, and they're going to offer you to come out to places, but like, you know, putting yourself in that environment, like, even if you're like, oh, I'd never do it. It's like kind of a dangerous thing because like, it'll become normalized to you or you become like insensitive to it. Hey, you know, it's just going to like, 
you might slip and like you don't want to you don't want to leave yourself room to do that you know yeah and i definitely want to second that um there's definitely going to be a lot of people or even the listeners who will like listen to what we say and then end up like going out and just seeing what it's like which is totally i think like normal in this day and age because there's just so much temptation but as someone who does like i definitely went out with my friends and like hung out around those scenes but the more and more that i went like the less and less i liked it too so because you're not partaking in their activities you just learn and you really just come to see on your own like there's really no value in all of this and it really just like goes, it helped me grow as a person because I would go out and I would see what they're doing. You would see people getting drunk and you're like, okay, there's a real reason why my religion doesn't want me doing these things. I can see the way people act inebriated. I've seen a lot of people get into car accidents because of drinking and driving, lots of poor decision-making. So at the end of the day, like even if you do go out, you give any peer pressure a little bit, as long as you just really focus on who you are, you see that there's really no benefit that you're getting out of this. Like at the end of the day, you'll come out of the situation for sure a better person with more insight too honestly like in those scenarios that's when i'm like alhamdulillah for islam because you know it truly is there for a reason to protect us but our next question um we're going to kind of go back into like the application cycle so you guys can talk about medical or college applications um, but did you ever feel lost in the cycle like having immigrant parents and not necessarily being surrounded by people that, that maybe have experienced and like studying for the mcat and having that pressure of like your parents being like you know how are you guys doing and all yeah i can uh, i don't mind going first for this one um for basically the entire process from applying to college to taking the MCAT to studying and applying to medical school, I really had no help for pretty much all of it from like my family. It was just that support and I would come home at the end of the day and they would just be like, how are you doing? Are things going well? And that was really the only questions they knew how to ask just because they didn't really know what was going on. So for people who are applying and who are doing it for the first time in their family, I think it's really important to communicate with your parents the steps that you're taking. Because at the end of the day, what I learned is that they really care about the process and they want to know what you're doing. It's just so hard for them to like say that to you and really communicate like they want to be a part of your life they just don't know how so I think that is super a super important part of the process if you are like first generation or first one in your family going to college or medical school is just clarifying these are all the things I'm working and doing and that helps your parents know how they can better support you as well but for applying in general, I had kind of no idea what I was doing for college and just YOLO'd and was like, let me just apply to these California schools because I'm from California and let me stay here. Um, it ended up working out. And then for medical school, it was a similar process, but because I had networked a lot, I had some mentors and they were able to help me out a bit. And so for all the youth as well, regardless of if you're in high school or college, seek out mentors, seek out somebody who's maybe just one step ahead of you in the process and ask them for help. There's no shame in ever asking for help. And that's something that's gotten me to where I am today. So um, it's like a two-way street, especially in medicine. You're always going to be helping those who haven't gone through what you've gone through. And you'll always be asking people above you for help in getting to where they're at. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I wouldn't say I got a lot of help from my family. Uh, I, I did get help from, like, mentors and friends who were just like, yeah, like, almost like one step ahead. Like, my friend, she, I met at Dartmouth, she was like, an, she was an M1 before I was, now she's an M2. And, like, uh, or actually, no, she might be, no, she's an M3 now, sorry. And so, what's it called? She, like, helped, like, me review all my stuff, and, and it was really helpful. Um, and, you know, she reviewed my my primaries, my secondaries and stuff like that. So she was really helpful. But then look, and on the parents end, it was more just like, did you get in? Did you hear anything from this school? Did you get an interview from this school? So it actually, it added a lot of stress. Like, you know, they were trying to show concern, but it added a lot of stress to like the point where like every day she's asking like, did you hear from this school? Did you hear from this school? And then the other problem, it's kind of a thing in our culture. Like she, her friends would, post their kids getting in on Facebook or whatever. And she'd be like, look, this kid got in. Like, where's your stuff? Where's your stuff? And it's like, it was a bit stressful on that end. And like when the rejections came, some rejections came in from like, you know, like schools that were really hoping for, like, it was kind of like, she took them pretty hard. Because, but like, I don't know, the, the medical school process, like it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like who gets in where and sometimes it doesn't and who gets interviews where or whatever. Like sometimes it doesn't really make all that much sense. So like, don't be discouraged in that. Like if you're applying, like you might apply to some schools and you think, oh, I have a connect here. I have this here. I have this here. And then, you know, you don't even get an interview like that happens. You know, there's, you know, that you can't like lose hope in that. And like, 
that's why I think the best thing to do if you're applying in general is just to like read mission statements and like look at your application and like who you've become as a person and see if you fit that bill. That's the best way to get into schools. And obviously like, you know, if you're from, you know, New York and you might not have an easy time getting into schools from like Washington or something, but like, you know, there are schools that you can see like how much I take out of state or whatever. So that take down into consideration as well. But I think the main thing to take into consideration outside of scores, outside of GPA is just like how will you fit the, the bill is their like ideal student in terms of like mission and stuff. So mm-hmm. I kind of sidetracked that as medical into medical school advice. I, I like- am so oh, glad. I am so glad that you touched on the fact that your mom was like seeing Facebook posts and she was like, where's your acceptance? Because that goes so much into like cultural expectations and parent expectations because uh, like as someone who's really involved in the Muslim community and again like I said a lot of the Muslim students my age are also pre-med there's that sense of extra competition like oh like this this um, auntie's daughter got in like how about you and it just adds like like instead of making it a community where like we're support supporting each other it almost feels like it's competition and it's like on top of the stress of medical of applying to medical school, now I have this community stress of like not just impressing my parents, but impressing the entire community. It's very oh, yeah, stressful. Definitely. Because like I'm also saying when I'm actually back home, like I know a lot of the aunties, uncles since I was like five. So like they they want to know what I'm up to too because they care as well. So like, you know, there's even that added pressure. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's such a weight off your shoulders when you get in because you can finally just be like, Well, this is happening, I'm good. Like, right. Oh, thank God. Like in it's a genuine concern for you, but like, you know, it is, it adds, I think, don't think they realize it adds more stress than they realize. Definitely. And one little thing that I will add to that is I would say it's super important to set some boundaries, especially like with your parents too, and just say like, hey, my applications are completely sent in. My secondaries are written. At this point, there's nothing else I can do. This is when you like draw the line, like, bas halas, like, you can talk i will tell you when i hear good news so i think really saying that like say you'll be the first to know but if you keep asking me there's not going to be anything i can do so it's kind of really just aligning and make sure they understand the process because after you submit secondaries it can be months until you hear it can be one month it can be six months so that process is just very nerve-wracking and like Omar was saying like the stress it puts on you as an individual is already so much where you don't need someone reminding you every 10 seconds that you applied to medical school and you're just waiting to hear back thank you I'm gonna record that and send it to my mom because every day she'll be like so did you get an interview did you get an interview I'm like I just submitted my secondaries yeah, like I'll let you know it's like it's July nobody gets an interview in July yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't even think they I, I don't think they start in July yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure because when you, when I send in the secondaries, I'll get an email that says like our interview process starts mid-August or like something around that. So yeah, like it's it's very premature excitement. I'm like, you need to calm down. Like we're both stressing, but I'll let you know. Yeah. Okay. So because you guys already talked about the experience about being, you know, um, a guy in the household, a male in the household, um, any other like experiences you guys want to share regarding if you ever felt like you're taking more pressure than like like most of your siblings or especially if you have like you know uh siblings who are girls um you want to share and then me and lemma can talk about experiences as a woman too because i feel like there's so much of those or actually i'll go because i'm a woman let's go um (laughs) so basically um one of the hardest things that i had to experience um being the oldest girl in the family being the first, like the oldest woman is the best thing I could ask for I don't know what it is but being the male of the household or like being the older brother you have more pressure to like be this perfect you know um husband and perfect son and all those stuff and again I praise you guys because I don't know like how do you guys are able to handle that especially like coping it with your mental health and applying to colleges I just feel like this is just so much pressure already but for me um alhamdulillah my parents are you know um always on top of things and they always check up on me and see how I'm doing I definitely got a lot of pressure especially being a woman and having that title that like I'm representing my family as a woman who is you know planning on doing what whatever she wants to do in college um and I wanted to intake that um my parents really did care about what I want to go into college for <laughs> um and then my and my family and like you know my grandparents as well women like our all of our you know women cousins or like aunties and all they all had a great you know job and a great degree so like my aunt is a doctor my um 
my cousin is a doctor my other cousin's engineer so all these like big titles that like it kind of resonated in me and I have to kind of surpass them uh, once I told them a lot of course they were like happy but they didn't understand the process of it so once they knew the process of how long it's going to take and stuff um they're just kind of like you're a woman you know like it's such a long time and long journey like what about marriage are you even thinking about that I want to put that topic out like what about marriage as a woman who's Muslim um are you ever gonna think about are you gonna get married um between college you know like when you're still studying and planning on getting married but yeah I feel like as a as an oldest daughter from my household the biggest struggle is having to show your siblings that you are capable of doing so many great things yeah so as a middle child so I have an older brother and an older sister I feel like I definitely did not have that pressure of like the oldest sibling syndrome um but I can definitely see it in my older sister she was the type of person that like wanted to make sure everything was perfect and that she set the best example I did want to touch on how you said the marriage thing because I have had mainly uncles that will ask me like oh like you want to do med school like that's another four years like when are you gonna have kids when are you gonna settle down and like sure that's like a valid thing to think about like I mean I've definitely thought about it like when will I have kids when will I get married but at the end of the day like if I'm capable of pursuing this career like as an uncle you should be supportive of it you shouldn't be like are you sure about this? Like, maybe you should reconsider. Maybe you should do something easier. So like, that's definitely like something that you don't want to hear, especially from a family member. But I think because my parents were always so supportive and like uh, my immediate, like my siblings and my friend group has have always been supportive. It never really affected me, but I can definitely understand how that could take a toll on someone like constantly hearing like, what about your family? Like, how are you going to be a good mother if you're pursuing this career? So yeah, that's one thing I think a lot of women have to deal with. One of the hardest things I've ever witnessed in my household is my uncle first time telling me, oh, she can get a man. She doesn't have to de- get a degree because he's going to provide for her. What the heck does that mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> your money, my money kind of thing, of course. But like, I'm going to get a degree. Like, do you know, do you know that women in marriage have to write on their, you know, kind of form, format, whatever it's called. They have to write, I want to get a job why is that such a hard thing like why is men having that you have to explain to a man that you want to get a job that you want to get that degree get a job with it make your own money it also assumes that like nothing's gonna happen to that man so i mean like you know anything can happen to where like that man can no longer make income so like let's say he works he works like a job where he just nine to five like he has to go in if he you know gets you know if he gets in an accident or something like that like that income's gone in america you just can't survive without an income you know like so it's a, it's kind of a false assumption and like yeah. there's not the fam there's not the strong family culture here as there as much as there is in like the east where like that's going to be support for that and i'm like i'm speaking from like my own family's experience like it just does not exist so it's it's a false assumption so it, it doesn't it's almost work. setting up your daughter for failure like oh like you don't need a degree you don't need a job because your man will provide well what if she gets divorced what if the man dies what if like you said there's an injury and he can't work like wouldn't you want your daughter to have that financial stability and a lot of my experiences have dealt with seeing a lot of couples you know get divorced especially muslim couples and seeing how they handle it just kind of like gives me that like alert that you know I have to be sure like I'm prepared not saying inshallah I don't like divorce my husband or anything but it's like you always got to be cautious you always got to be cautious that get the degree while you can as a young woman who is you know in hitting their 20s and planning on pursuing medical school law school any school get that degree do not care about what your parents or your aunties are going to say anything about marriage. Marriage is the last thing you should think about. I, I just want to add to that point, like, real briefly, and then Omar, if you want to go, feel free. But I think it's also important to, like, differentiate between the two. Like, if you find someone who you want to marry and who you're like, I want to spend my life with you, that, I think, is the very valid reason to, like, go and get married. But then having kids, I think, is that real big commitment that I think Lama uh, is also talking about, where it's just, like, that is going to take so much out of you and so much energy. So you can always postpone that. It's really just making the right decisions for yourself. And everyone as an individual knows what that is. But I 100% agree with Gaida in that you really should at this point in your life when you're younger focus on you be selfish and do what you need to do to stand on your own two feet yeah and then like you know if you find that person like almost said like you can get married you know like marriage is like you want to have like a younger marriage like there's nothing wrong with it yeah it's not very typical in this culture but there's nothing wrong with it and you know you can and if you find the right person you know and that's kind of the thing you know finding the right person like 
they are going to, there are going to be red flags in people. And, you know, you're going to be young and think, Oh, that's no, okay. I can get over that. No, you can't. Don't give yourself, when it comes to such a big decision, like don't give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Like, Oh, they're kind of mean to, you know, people sometimes, you know, like servers or whatever, like, Oh, that's okay. They're nice to me. Well, one day they're going to start treating you like that, you know? So, I mean, like, in these cautious. things, like, yeah, be cautious. Like, and, but like, if you find the right person, like by all means, like they're going to, they might even push you a little bit more to be even more successful. So I don't know, like you could do that, but yeah, I think that focus on becoming your best self. And like, and this is something my mom always did. Like whenever I would do something like wrong, she'd just be like, you know, you're going to get married one day and your wife's not going to tolerate that. It's like, she'd always do that to kind of like blackmail me into doing like more stuff. And so, you know, my mom kind of, does that to my brothers. Yeah. Too. Talk about your experience regarding like another thing that happened to you that kind of like struggles uh, as a male in an immigrant household. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you know, there was, uh, you know, I, I kind of had a unique experience because like my dad like worked like really long hours and then he ended up like working in a different house and then moving to a different country. So like I had a lot more like, I had a lot more prominence in my house than maybe like other other immigrant males because and so like I was a, there, at a younger age I had a lot more responsibility and so like you know and then there was also like certain expectations like I had to be a bit more in some circles I had to be a bit more mature and like especially as a teenager I'd be a bit more mature and like sort of like spend more time at home and like make sure I was taking my family like here and there as like the my mom was like you're the only man here you have to do this you have to do this you have to do this like you always kind of like emphasize like what a man is supposed to do. And a lot of it was just stuff my dad like wasn't doing. So she would like emphasize on that. And so there was like that experience. And so that was, and I definitely did not do as much of the other things. Like, you know, like Brown girls always talking about how Daisy boys are mama's boys. They don't cook clean, whatever. So there was definitely like that aspect. I definitely didn't do as much on that end, but you know, Alhamdulillah, I was able to like live by myself at Dartmouth. I live by myself here. So I learned all of that. So now I do all of that, you know, anyway, there's, um, there was, I guess I improved in those ways too. So yeah, I think it, mine's a little bit more, a little bit unique in that regard. But I think Omar, you know, you can talk to something, a different experience. Yeah, I would say my family definitely looked to me to like be super successful and like kind of the star of the family. I was expected to be great and everything. Um, my parents would always brag about me to everyone they knew and was just like, oh yeah, Omar's doing this. He's like doing really good in school. He's planning on going to med school. And then once I did get the acceptance, it was just talk about it all the time. So they do love to like talk about you. And that's something that happens very frequently. But growing up, um, I really just had a lot of that pressure of you need to be good. Like you need to be a certain way, perform a certain way. And that also made me mature at a very young age is kind of that pressure as well. Um, I was just pushed to sit with the adults more often, kind of have more deep and intellectual conversations with them. Um, so I think it's a bit of a kind of one-off experience. I also was very kind of integrated into the culture of the house. Like I was very much, when I walk through the front door of my house, I'm in Afghanistan. And that's what I always say. Like, as soon as I walk through those doors, I'm in Afghanistan. And as soon as I walk out, I'm in America. And so it's a lot of that. You need to understand the culture of your house and you need to maintain that. And then also uphold that when you're around other people as well. So there's just a lot of, um, in general, just pressure to be exceptional, which I kind of took on, but I think the good way or a good way to cope with that is find whatever outlet works for you. For me, it was working out, playing through high school. I played volleyball and basketball and just being active and getting your mind off of the stress and off of things in general, regardless of what you do in your life, you need to find outlets that are just things you enjoy and that you can do to just not think about anything that's stressful and you can just like distance yourself from your parents like do other activities that kind of gives you kind of the time and space for yourself and yourself only because it, it gets pretty simple just like studying at like studying at home during covid that was like the most stressful thing i've ever experienced in my whole like life having to like having to study by yourself and your parents coming in once in a while checking up on you or like you look at your phone one time and they think you've been looking at your phone like for the past like 30 minutes definitely not the best thing you want to you want to deal with um don't want more yelling than that also um agree with like distance yourself from your parents and all but also make sure you take quality time for yourself period don't like use that distance to hang out with your friends and all that um i mean you can but don't make it a priority. Have some quality time with your friends, have some quality time with your family, but have most of that time truly for yourself. Because I don't think a lot of people have been thinking about themselves um, 
or what they think about what they need for themselves um, ever since college started. It, it really took an eye opener for me during COVID. All right. Now for our last question, we're going to end off on a high note. I want each of you guys to talk about one thing that you love about medical school so far since, you know, this has been such a rough journey and you totally deserve it. So Go ahead. Tell us one thing you love so far. Omar with an O can go uh, first. <laughs> he looks so excited. Um, I, I'm just always smiling, I think. So that's just kind of like my face. But <laughs> um, I would say so far with medical school, I just really love that I'm back in school because I did take one year off um, and I worked during that time. And I think just being in an environment where everybody wants to learn, everyone's eager to learn, and they're enjoying what they're doing because they know what they're all working towards, it's really motivating and it's really exciting. Like this environment has kind of given me like a new sense of purpose and like direction. Um, so I'm just really looking forward to where it's gonna go from here, where, which I'm hoping is only up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going really good. There's definitely a little bit of stress, but I think I'm starting to figure out like, again, how to rebalance. And as I shift back to like doing studying almost like eight to 10 hours a day, um, but it's nice. I love it. I hope that inshallah, everyone who's listening and who's trying to get into medical school and applying, you guys all get it. Lama, I hope you definitely get it this year too, inshallah, that only the best is coming your way. But yeah, it's a great time and it's, I'm just, yeah, I'm overjoyed. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, I really like my school a lot. So, you know, um, there it's very public health and like in service oriented and like a lot of the people are really nice you know, really polite, really empathetic type of people. So I've made, I've made like quite a few friends and whatnot. So I've been really enjoying my time. I'm still in orientation. So I haven't like gotten the classes and stuff going yet, but you know, I, I am excited. I'm a little nervous because you know, I don't, I, I also worked this last year. So I, I'm kind of nervous to be back in the classroom setting, but uh, you know, I, but you know, it is really exciting to study something that you've been wanting to study your whole life. So, you know, there is that aspect, take joy in it. No, understand that like being in this field is a blessing and, and you know, it, and you are really going to make an impact like at the individual level, at the community level, at any, at any level that you might want to have, you can have that. So, you know, take joy in that. And then I hope you get in as well. That's going to be great, inshallah. So, you know, yeah, that's what I would say. All right. And to end it on a Thank like, you guys great so note, much. I really appreciate it. When life gives you lemons, you make grape juice. Then sit back and let people wonder how you did it by the famous Priyanka Chopra. <laughs> since we already, since we already made those jokes, um, I think it's a great way to end it with her famous quote of the day. Um, I hope everybody can take a, a little bit of inspiration throughout that quote, especially you guys being in med school. Inspiration. <laughs> so inspirational. I mean, I think, I think this is going to be a great week. Thank you guys so much again for listening to our podcast and a special thank you for Omar and Omar for sharing their experiences regarding our topic. If you like what you heard, then check out the website that is linked in our Spotify. It also has a link to our Instagram and our TikTok. And if you have any concepts you want us to discuss, then you can email us. That's also linked in our website. And we'll see you guys next Friday.